0: I'm Karen. And I'm Michelle. We're sisters and homeschool moms. Welcome to the Layers of Learning podcast,
1: where we talk about family-style homeschooling.
0: Hi, this is Michelle from Layers of Learning. I'm here with Karen. Hello. She's my little sister. And today we're going to talk about high school.
1: So I do kind of remember when I was intimidated by the concept of homeschooling in high school.
0: I think, Michelle, you've
1: told me that you were less intimidated by that.
0: Okay. The reason I wasn't super intimidated by high school is because I had read the things that other homeschool moms who had come before me, the pioneers essentially, uh-huh. had said about, you know, all of their, look, you really can't teach it because you're just going to get books and the books will teach both of you together. And look, you really can't teach it because you can write a transcript. And that kind of se- set my mind at ease.
1: It gave you confidence. Yeah. It feels scary for a couple of reasons when you're entering that new phase. First of all, any new phase that your kids enter is a little bit scary. Like you always go, just when I had parenting down, I don't know what I'm doing because they're always growing and changing. But there's the whole, oh, wow, everything now matters. It's like so this very sticks, It sticks with them throughout their life, like yeah. a, a future employer or school or any number of people could ask to see that high school transcript, and so you go, I, I don't know, am I even a high school? Can I write
0: a transcript? You know, I'm just me, right? It feels very official. I'm like, am I really allowed?
1: Yeah. And so there's that fear, and then there's also the fear that comes with, oh goodness, can I teach that level of physics? Yeah. Can, can I even do
0: that math? Can I Can I do it? Yeah. I don't know how. I, I don't know how to write a research paper. How can I teach a research paper?
1: And even the things that you did in high school, sometimes you go, but that was a long time ago. Right. I don't really remember. And so it's intimidating.
0: Yeah. So we're going to address that. And we're also going to talk about how to help your kids be independent and grow into their independence and so that they're transitioning into the adulthood that they need to reach before they leave your home.
1: Yeah, sometimes we get hyper focused on exactly the school subjects. But really, a lot of the things that need to happen in your homeschool during high school is that your kids need to prepare to enter the world. And so there's that responsibility too. Um, But you can do it. It is very, very doable. And it's not quite as abrupt a change as you
0: think. Like, Michelle, when your kids all of a sudden turned 14, were they a different person? (laughs) No. See, that's the thing. Like an eighth grader and a ninth grader aren't that different. Like you've been gradually bringing them up all through all this time and it's just the next step. It's kind
1: of an artificial border that we have created, this high school. Yeah. But really, it's a lot more gradual and natural than we make it.
0: So some of the things that actually are different though... A lot of times, kids will need more time. For example, you want them to read longer books, more involved books, so they're going to need more time to read than they did before when they were in the junior fiction section or the nonfiction section.
1: Yeah, writing a ten-page research paper is a different assignment from the little kid who's writing in their writer's journal a little entry.
0: Yeah, and or so doing you can't. Report.
1: Yeah. yeah, you can't think that that's going to get done during writer's workshop, you know, even if you plan a whole week for it, that paper is not going to get done in that much time. So you need to be realistic as you're planning things for your high schoolers and recognize that they do need some individual work time to get the things done that they need to get done.
0: Another thing that I think is a good thing to push in the high school years is them... Your child should be directing their own day in a more specific way. For example, they should be keeping their own planner and deciding their own work schedule and picking out their own, like they need to, to develop their own work ethic. They need to be pushing themselves.
1: Because it's practice for life. Yeah. And you're not going to be there in a few years when they're out on their own. So right now, while you're here, you're teaching them to be able to be independent. And you're kind of their uh their backup. Right.
0: And and you have to do the still very hard work of checking up on them. Yeah. They have to be accountable to you.
1: Exactly. Later, you won't be there. And so you need them to already be at the point that they will be accountable to themselves. But right now, they're doing a lot of the learning, but you are making them accountable for that learning. So you're checking up on them.
0: Another major change is in your own mindset, the mentor's mindset. Instead of thinking in terms of we're doing this unit, or this is the stuff we're doing this month, you need to start thinking in terms of years and semesters. Yeah, you are not going to
1: write, uh, for example, you're not going to put ancient Egypt on their transcript, probably. That's one unit in the ancient history course, but that's just one unit. That's not going to go on their transcript. So you're thinking now in terms of semesters. You're going to think, okay, maybe this is called ancient history one or early civilization or history of civilization. It's up to you what you call it. Give it an appropriate title, but think in terms of semesters and then think about what would a reasonable workload be for a semester worth of work. For example, they might write in one course between two and four papers about that topic. They don't have to write a paper for every single unit in every
0: single subject, And the same with reading, like, you might think to yourself, okay, I feel like they could read one, like, it depends on your child's reading level, but maybe they're going to read two to four books in a semester out of all of the subjects that you're doing. That's the total load that you give them.
1: They might have two history books, a science book,
0: and a geography book. So they can be reading about say a physics topic, maybe you're having them read about light and it's happening during the semester that you're studying physics, but it doesn't have to happen during the very unit that you're studying physics. You're just going to have that interspersed with the other subjects that they're learning about. So the timing is less important for that extra learning that they're doing.
1: It's all happening during the course, right? It's just not necessarily happening during the moment that you're doing that unit. So kind of think in terms of semesters and, and, broaden your mind a little bit as you're planning Especially the independent part. Our kids that are in high school still completely join in in our family school part. If I am having a discussion or we're doing a project or, you know, reading something, they're part of that.
0: But then they also go on and do a little bit more on their own. Another thing that I think is nice about high school is that you can start transitioning from them being your child and you telling them what to do to being a partner with them, to treating them like an adult and having you know, a conversation with them rather than just telling them, this is what you're going to do now. You're interacting with them differently.
1: I love that part about my teens. Like it's so fun when all of a sudden they are speaking about interesting things and they start to care about what's happening in the news. And they're just more aware and adult-like. They're not adults yet, but they're getting there. And it's fun to watch those things happen. Instead of telling my kids, like, okay, did you read your book? And then quizzing them on it. Like, okay, what happened after this event? And what were the main themes? And you know, you don't have to do that. You can just have authentic conversations with them. What did you think about that character? Would you have handled that the same way? You're not quizzing them, you're discussing what you think is interesting. Yeah, in the book.
0: We, we've talked before about how we don't really do reading comprehension type evaluations of our kids or assigned reading, like you have to read this many chapters before this date. We don't do that. But when you have a good discussion with them about, about a book, it's it's more authentic. It feels better. And, and they like to be able to freely have their own opinions about things without having to write a paper about everything. So, but yeah, if you're thinking of it in terms of a whole semester, you can very easily add their workload in appropriately, get their feedback on what they think they can handle for the semester, have them be a partner in it. And then you're keeping tabs on what they're doing. And you're able to have discussions with them about their learning, whether it's what they're reading or something that you were assigned. They were assigned a a separate course online or if it's an outside class or experience that they're having.
1: So besides more independent learning, I think you definitely have to have more accountability. This is something that I think is hard for some homeschool parents. They kind of are used to the relaxed uh, little kid version of homeschool where we just have fun learning. You know, it's it's really fun. But you do need to have kind of check-in points with your high schoolers because you're not actually teaching them every second of the day. Like I have my kids do parts that are online classes or where they watch online videos where they're
0: learning from another teacher. And you're not, you haven't even necessarily read the book that you've assigned them or Right. So
1: I, I'm not actively involved in the lesson, but I still need to be holding them accountable for it. I need to be asking them about it, making sure it got done, checked off. We're not very good with due dates as homeschool people. (laughs) You know, like no one is like due dates are kind of like what? Yeah,
0: well, they're kind of artificial, but and, and they're a good classroom management tool.
1: And when you have a kid who gets sick, or a kid who needed extra time to do something, the first thing to go is the due date. You just don't.
0: Yeah, it's it's not like school where they have to catch up to everyone. Why would they have to do that? Yeah. So (laughs)
1: so the catch is that in high school, kids need to learn to work on a due date. So you kind of have to be a little bit more structured than you probably have been throughout most of their lives.
0: Not for everything. No. But for some things, those
1: couple of papers that we're saying they're going to write during the semester. Yeah. If you're not checking in with them and saying, "Hey, it's due at this time."
0: Well, and I'll tell Eh. you what else that kids need. I mean, they need a due date, but they need a broken down due date. You can't tell them in three weeks, I want this paper completed. You have to tell them, I want to see your research notes in one week.
1: And then show me your outline. Yeah.
0: I want to see your outline on this date. I want to see your rough copy on this date. So,
1: yeah. So you have the freedom of not always being their teacher because they're going to learn from books, from YouTube videos, from online lectures, things like that. They'll be learning from other sources sometimes but that doesn't take away your need to be a you know to hold them accountable for those things. So, if you have to jot yourself something in your planner or whatever, just make sure you have a designated system so that they are reporting back to you with what they're doing and you're keeping tabs on it a little Don't bit. Don't you
0: do Fridays, Karen, like every Friday you catch up on everything?
1: Yeah, so every day I check my kids' planners for their basic work and then every Friday I like enter grades in and I anything that we didn't have time for, I move it to the next week of the planner. And I really check in with my kids more thoroughly and say, okay, let's actually look at your paper and see where you're at. Let me make some suggestions or, you know, because Friday's kind of our flex day, I have more
0: time. So you build that into your homeschool block of time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I just know Friday afternoons, I'm going to be making sure that everybody is where they should be. And I don't really let it get past that. Like if you go very many weeks and you're not holding anyone accountable, pretty soon, they're not doing much. Like we tend to slip down to the lowest level that we can get away with. All yeah, people do that. It's true, human everyone. nature. Yeah. So you kind of just have to have some uh, safeguards in
0: place for that. So Karen, do your teens work longer? Like they do their schoolwork for longer than your littler kids? They have more time? Um. Yeah. Do they complain about that?
1: I wouldn't say that they complain about it necessarily. It The thing that happens in our home during our school day, we're all kind of doing the same things at the same time for the most part. Like our written work happens in the morning, but maybe the teen didn't finish their math assignment. They were working the whole time and and I watched that they were, you know, they were trying, but their math assignment was longer. I have no hesitation in giving homework, even though all of our homeschool is homework. Like (laughs) they, they understand, oh, if I didn't have time for that, I'm going to have to get to it later. And most of the time that doesn't happen. Most of the time they're able to get things done. But if it's a long assignment, they understand, oh, I might have to go back to that in the afternoon or in the evening. And I mean, that's just part of growing up. When, when I had little preschoolers, often they only lasted like 15 or 20 minutes, then they were off playing, right? Oh, yeah. It's not really different than that. Like to tell your high schoolers, look, these kids are littler than you. They get to go off and play and we're going to just work for one more hour. Yeah. And and for the most part, they're doing it and I'm getting my stuff done at my desk. It's not like I'm hovering over them. But I do expect them to finish what they need to get done with.
0: Okay, speaking of hovering over them, what about all those classes that you don't know how to teach? You didn't take pre-calculus <laughs> and now you're having to teach it. Like How, do, how does that work with... Um, you know, the high schoolers? Well, I mean, honestly, there are a lot of
1: options for that. First of all, most things, if I don't know it, I'm anxious to know it. And so I take that class with my high schoolers. We've had a lot of things where it's like, okay, the hour after school, this is when we're doing that class and I learn it with them because I love to learn and Because I'm like, oh, that's that's interesting. Anything that I'm asking my kids to learn, I'm capable of learning. I can do it. It is hard when you have like babies and high schoolers because you're kind of pulled. Yeah. And if you have a situation where, look, I I don't have that in my day, the cool thing is that there are so many options out there. There are complete online classes that they can take. Yeah. Well,
0: and there colleges should, offer classes. Tons tons of curriculums come with video lectures that help them or you can find an outside video lecture that teaches that concept.
1: Yeah. So, so if just, there's a specific thing that my kids really interested in that I can't offer, like when when my son was learning to design like do 3D design. I was like, you know what? That's not something I'm going to get into. I yeah. I don't and I don't have time for it. I don't have time. Yeah. I'm doing my own work and I love that you're interested and I got him the tools that he needed to do it and said go at it. And yeah. and he does that now. All the, you know, now he's like a little expert on it. He can do all kinds of 3D design. But I can't. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it kind of depends on what it is and you have to figure out um, is this something that I am going to learn with them and and really do, or is this something that I need to go to a different resource?
0: Well, I I think you also need to be aware that you're learning this incrementally bit by bit. You're not just suddenly tossed into calculus with nothing. You've been teaching them all the way through, and so you've hopefully been learning along with them. To me, the hardest subjects are probably the upper level math and then things like the higher level writing, like, you know, like I don't the know Technical how to teach it, the technical writing and, you know, that I mean, I can write, but teaching writing is a whole different thing for me. So, uh, writer's workshop, I just want to sell that one more time because <laughs> <laughs> it helped me. I like learned everything. From well, that.
1: for example, <laughs> in writer's workshop, there's the research paper that is really intended to be written to the kid and the kid does it independently. So it walks them right through the process of writing a research paper, step by step by step. The mentor's job would be to say, hey, step one needs to be done by this time. And then you check on it. Mom's not going to have to teach them because actually the writer's workshop research paper packet teaches them. But mom does have to kind of give a due date and make them accountable.
0: I, I hear a lot of people saying, I don't know how I can. I mean, they say this about homeschool in general. I don't think I can teach my kids. I don't know anything. I don't remember anything from high school. And uh, at least with layers of learning, you're sitting there learning it with them. I mean, yeah. you're doing it together. You don't have to re- know anything. You're not required to cram before you teach the stuff because you're not teaching it per se. You're not standing up and lecturing about it. You're learning it together. Yeah, you're reading it the book together. You're watching the videos together. You're doing the activities together. So there's, that doesn't exist. And that's true even when we're talking about quantum physics and uh, you know, the, the higher chemistry stuff and stuff that's in layers of learning. That's all in there and it's all walks you through it. It's really simple. All that's holding
1: you down is this heavy backpack of belief that you're going, I have to know how to do this to teach it. Take that backpack off and say, no, I don't. We're going to learn together. Mm-hmm. because you are completely capable of learning this. And there are so many great resources to do it that, honestly, I don't think that... I don't know anyone who would really struggle with it when they're learning truly together with their kids, because there's
0: so much out there that is oh yeah just there for you to learn it. And, and so much of it is written... It, I mean, it's so user-friendly. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care if it's economics, or you want to learn about American government, or whatever. Well, YouTube there's, is amazing. There's there's stuff for everything. Yeah. Y- YouTube is full of experts
1: who have made videos about it and people who are truly expert are those people who know it so well they can explain it to a 6-year-old. Yeah. You know, so it's like amazing to watch these I love watching TED Talks.
0: We we call it YouTube University. And <laughs> there you
1: go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it it is amazing how
1: many, you know, real scientists are out there making cool videos for kids mm-hmm. and not even always for kids. But, you know, they're making these videos about the things that, well, there's there's
0: great they're teachers learning. that have made videos in all kinds of subjects. And I use those as lectures a lot, especially like the high school age, like you play the video. That was your lecture. Did you take notes on it? Let's go watch it again. More notes. You yeah, know. that's that's how we use them a lot. Um, another thing about high schoolers they get busy. Even yeah. More so I mean, kids are kids are busy from the time they're about five or six years old nowadays. But it gets even more intense in the high school years. They usually. get busy outside of the home. Yeah. And once they get a driver's license, whoo, goodbye. Yeah. So
1: the cool thing that happens with that is that it also releases you from some of the burden in the same way that we said, like those online teachers can do some of the teaching for you. Now your kids have coaches and leaders and all kinds of things that hopefully are reinforcing the things that you have taught and helping your kids to grow in new directions and in new ways. And that's a fun part of high school to watch is that now they're starting to step out into the world beyond your homeschool.
0: And you know, what's nice about it too, if they get involved in something like, let's say swim team, that also can go on the transcript.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So once my kids are in high school sports, I would never do a little PE class with them in our homeschool. Like that would feel silly because they get really into their sports and they're doing it several hours every day. Like that that counts, for sure that counts. Yeah. <laughs> so my responsibility is, you know, when they're too young to drive, driving them there. Once they're driving on their own, they even drive themselves. But then my job is to make sure it gets on the transcript. Like th- yeah. that has an appropriate spot because that definitely, I mean, when my kids were playing water polo, that's definitely a PE credit, no I, doubt.
0: I remember I, I ran cross-country and track in high school, and so did Karen. But I remember being so annoyed that I also had to take this stupid, fluffy PE class.
1: <laughs> like, why was, bother? Like, because running was way harder. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, yeah. I got the fitness part, no problem. So.
1: <laughs> so whatever it is that your kids are doing in outside activities, a lot of it will either go on their transcript as a class... Or it will at least uh, be made mention of like on college applications or things like that. So make sure that you're keeping track of those activities that they're doing outside of the home because all of that is part of their high school experience. It's a little bit different because we separate. We're like, no, but I'm homeschooled and it didn't happen in our house. Well, when they're in high school, it doesn't necessarily happen in the high school either, but it's still part of their high school experience. Even
0: things like like a job that they have where they're earning money, that can go on... On a college application or on a transcript, there's a spot in the for experience like and work experience is one of the things that goes in there. All
1: kinds of extracurricular type of activities are on there, but you do kind of need to keep track. You would you feel like you'll remember all of that and just be able to do it. But it is amazing how it escapes you. Well,
0: okay, some of the things you need to write down, you need to write down dates where they worked, what their position was, who their boss was and the boss's phone number. And then the dates that they were working, they worked there from this this month and year to this month and year.
1: Yeah. A huge part of the high school difference is that we need to keep better records than we did before on all kinds of things. You know, on, on their classes that they've taken, on their extracurricular activities, just make sure that you're writing everything down.
0: And actually, the, the student planner has pages in there for high schoolers so that they can write them down themselves As a parent, I would also write them down, but maybe don't tell them that you are and tell them they have to write it down. Yeah, make
1: them accountable for it. (laughs) But
0: but yeah, or or double check on them and make sure that they're writing it down. So
1: one of the tricky things with high school is that as awesome as all of those activities are outside of the home, sometimes we uh, tend to overschedule high school kids. Sometimes having too much just takes away
0: from the experience in general. For me, the litmus test is how stressed am I? If I start getting to where I'm really stressed in my daily life, I have to step back and go, why am I so stressed? And a lot of times it's because we're doing too many things. Your high schoolers
1: activities might stress you out. They might actually stress your teen out. So either way, there may need to be adjustments in how much they're doing outside of the home. I mean, I wouldn't let my kids work a full-time job and be doing school full time and be doing a sport like they might have a part time job and do that but there's a line that you just go that's too much
0: yeah you, you and another line is is it actually interfering with their education with their homeschooling if it is you're doing too much the the education that homeschooling has to come first and sometimes we feel like homeschooling isn't as legitimate as real schooling and so we let things creep into it, but that's not true. It is legitimate and you need the time. I often will have people say,
1: oh, you guys are homeschoolers. So I'm, I'm going to need your daughter to come babysit during the day. And I'm like, oh no, we don't, we don't do that because yeah. that's our protected school time. And that's the only time we have to do school because my kids actually have a lot going on in the afternoons and evenings. Like they have their own separate things. So we can't just shift it. Some people can, but for us, we say no. To well, things.
0: and and are you going to shift it for a babysitting job? Hopefully not. Hopefully you feel your child's education has a higher value than a babysitting job. So Yeah.
1: So you have to figure out all of those. People often ask us, how do you know how much is too much? The truth is that every family is really different. I mean, for you and I, Michelle, I think we have less tolerance for busyness than some people. Like Some people thrive yeah. with it. Yeah.
0: Some people do thrive with it. I I stress. Actually, our brother does. He does. He he's. I read what he's doing every week and I'm like, oh my gosh, I would be a nutcase. I have a very low threshold for high busyness. I'm a homebody. My kids are homebodies. They do have activities. They've done sports. We've been involved in things, but it's not huge amounts of things because I just don't do well with that.
1: But legitimately, like our big brother, if he wasn't busy like that, he would be stir crazy. Yeah. He would be miserable. Yeah. So it's got to be different for each family, but you do need to look at it and say, is it interfering with school or our family responsibilities? You know, if my kids are too busy for chores, they're too busy. Yeah. I don't want that happening. So is it interfering with school? Is it interfering with their family responsibilities? Are they stressed? If they're super stressed. stressed, Yeah. Yeah. If if it's creating stress or causing a lack of sleep, reevaluate. You got to cut things out because if you are miserable doing all of the things, that's a nightmare. Instead, you want to be happy doing the things you're doing, not miserable
0: because you're doing too much. Okay. So kids are doing more independent learning when they're in high school. You have to be more accountable for them ever before because you're not sitting there with them. You've got to go back and check on them. They have more activities outside of the home and most teens also are more involved in technology. Most of them have their own phone. Most of them are on some form of social media. Often they are researching things online during school. And that's something that you need to take into account of in those high school years. Yeah, when you're planning out high school, I mean, I think that
1: extra screen time naturally happens. Like for example, I don't think any of my teens are handwriting out a sloppy copy during writer's workshop. They're sitting on their computers, you know, on their laptops and they're typing it. Because they don't want to do that rough draft and then have to rewrite it again. If they can already type, then that's what they do because it makes it easier in the long run. So naturally, kids are on screens more as they grow up. But along with that, you have to recognize, okay, what do we need to put in place so that these screens are advancing their education instead of like, harming
0: them? Harming them.
1: Yeah, because it can be a time suck. It, it can just waste away your time without you even knowing.
0: Yeah. And not all screen time is equal, obviously. I mean, there's a vast difference between uh, playing a video game and working on a research paper that you're writing. But you do have to kind of be mindful of how much time did I actually waste reading that article? And I wasn't really researching, you know.
1: Yeah, it's amazing how screens kind of numb our brains in certain ways, like amazing tools, but also they can be kind of a time trap. Um, I just really believe in because my teens are going to have more screen time, we also have to have really transparent, talked about expectations. So Karen, what kind of rules do you have about screens then? Uh, We have a couple of things that we do. First of all, I make perfectly clear to my kids that their technology, you know, their phones, their computers are not theirs. They're actually mine because I paid for them.
0: I, you know, you're paying the monthly bill. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so my kids all know, hey, mom can pick up my phone whenever she wants. There are no secrets. There are, you know, she can read my text. She can see what I'm saying. That's all fair game. I find because they know that I don't have to go to an extreme amount of babysitting it. They're just, they're not allowed to get mad if I pick up their phone.
0: Like it's it's my phone, not their phone. Yeah. So once, that's one of our expectations. Eight, once they're 18, they can buy their own phone, and that's completely private and Yeah, if,
1: if they're moved out and paying their bill, yeah, I'm and, not going to do that. And they're paying for it. Yeah. That's
0: my favorite thing in the world, is getting my 18-year-olds their first phone so that they have a bill. It's it's their I responsibility. It. <laughs> you have a bill to pay. I'm happy now. Good luck.
1: <laughs> yep. But we also definitely believe in filters.
0: Like yeah, we, we we use I use kind of a moderate-middle of the road filter, because if you're researching something like the Holocaust, you can't even find it if you've got super strict filters on. Yeah. But obviously no filters is dangerous.
1: Well, tons of the filtering programs let you kind of specify what kinds of things you want filtered yeah. out. Do you want profanity? Do you want sexuality? You know, what do you want filtered out? And so you can use those tools and make sure that you set up filters. One of the things we do is all of our screens are in the, the normal places in our home where everyone can go. They don't go in my kids' bedrooms. They just are in the family areas of our home. And it's not that I'm looking over their shoulder every second, but just the fact that I could be kind of...
0: Yeah, or anyone else. Anyone could
1: be, yeah. yeah, Kind of keeps you on task in a certain way. And so that's
0: been a good thing that we've done. Well, I I also, I'm a big believer in letting kids make decisions. But I'm also a big believer in explaining to them the consequences of certain decisions before they ever are faced with them. Yeah, you don't want to
1: hover over them. But at the same time, they know,
0: hey, this is the expectation. Well, and i like to warn them of, hey, this is the kinds of things that are online. And this is the this is why it's not a good idea. And this is how it harms various people. And this is why you shouldn't do it. And now it's up to you whether you're going to decide to do it, you know? Yeah. And I'm not talking about 10-year-olds. I'm talking about 16-year-olds here. Yeah.
1: You're you're preparing them because they're about to make all those decisions on
0: their own. Yeah. They're going to be out of your home. So if you shelter them too heavily, all of a sudden they get freedom. And I've seen it many times. They go wild. (laughs) And that's the worst thing you can do. If you give them freedom... At an earlier age, while they're still in your home, what do they have to rebel against? Nothing. Yeah.
1: We have a charging station in our home. So at night, all of the phones get plugged in in this spot in our office. And like the phones, the Kindles, any any of the devices, they have like a specific spot. So I can look at it at a glance and see like, oh, everybody has their stuff plugged in. It was really funny because my daughter is home from college now, just for the summer, you know. And she came and plugged her phone into the charging station. Like at school, when she was on her own, she definitely plugged it in on her nightstand by her bed. Yeah, you know, and and now that she's home, she's allowed to do that because she's an adult now. Like she would totally be allowed to plug it in wherever she wants. Wherever she wants, and I'm not going to worry about it. But she still, because of our habits, went and plugged <laughs> it in. I I told her, you know, you can keep that up in your bedroom if you if you want to. And she was like, no, it, it goes on the charging this station. This is how it's done, mom. Don't <laughs> <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> but it was very <laughs> cute. But but I love that she she's obviously not hiding anything. You know, like she's totally fine with doing it whatever way. And I don't have to come down hard on her well, because...
0: I think whatever you choose to do as far as technology with your teens, the most important thing is to be open and upfront from the very beginning about expectations. Yeah, you, They shouldn't be shocked that you're looking through their phone if that's already a thing that you've established. You just have to make sure they know that you established that. Well,
1: and when we established those expectations, we kind of talked about it as a family and said, hey, what should we do? And we came up with it together. And so they were on board because they helped me come up with kind of
0: the rules. Yeah, you know? there's There's huge amounts of debate in the parenting world over how much parents should, quote, spy on their kids or not. Again, if you have that discussion up front as a family, I think that's completely personal. That's up to you, how you handle those kinds of things.
1: Even with myself, though, I have to be aware of how much screen time I have. Because like, if I'm not aware of it, then it is so easy to just scroll and scroll and scroll. Mm -hmm. Like, even with the news. Like, you read the news... Oh yeah. And it's all online. I spend
0: two hours and I don't realize I just spent you, two hours. You
1: feel like it's been 10 or 15 minutes and it's been two hours.
0: Because back in the day there was a newspaper and it was finite. And when you got done with it, got you to were the done end. with it. Yeah. But it, it's no longer finite.
1: There's no end to scrolling. It's eternal. It'll just keep going. <laughs> you You can't keep up with everything that's online so you'll never come to the end of it so you have to even for yourself like because teens are using more technology you just need to figure out okay what is the way that we do this and have it be a good learning tool without it you know overwhelming us and being all that we do because it's amazingly uh addictive and difficult to put it down if you haven't you know kind of pre-planned that in your mind so that's just something to consider with your teens I like that my teens are largely paperless, though. Like, they often email me their paper. We don't have to do a lot of printing. Um, They're typing things, and it's way more efficient than rewriting drafts. They can use online classes and do things like look up topics on their own. And and have an online planner. Yeah.
0: It's just all really easy. And you can email them. Yeah. Or text them. (laughs) They're, they're, They're sitting... Three desks down, three chairs down in the room, and you're all texting them, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> but,
1: but you could. You could. Because technology. <laughs> the the last thing that I think really changes in high school, and we've touched on this, but it's definitely more record keeping. You need to keep grades, transcripts. You know, it, You've got to make those notes of their extracurricular activities. You've got to keep good records when they're in high school.
0: Well, and again, I think this is the second area that people who are getting ready to homeschool high school are concerned about is that, do I have the authority really to write this transcript? Will it be taken seriously? Can my kid really graduate from um, homeschool and have it count? you You know, I think 30 years ago or so, maybe
1: even longer than that. But some of the early pioneers of homeschooling, they would have been like, We have legitimate fears about this. Yeah. But the truth is that now most universities and, you know, job programs, all kinds of things, they look at homeschoolers and they go, that's who we want to hire. That's who we want in our school.
0: That's actually an upside, not a downside. I have looked at several schools, not tons, but the ones that my children expressed at least vague interest in possibly going to and I looked at their entrance requirements and every single one of them had a path for homeschoolers.
1: Yeah, it's kind of built in now to the university
0: experience. All the universities have said, okay, well, obviously you don't have a diploma, right? But the transcript still counts. A parent can write a transcript. They can sign it. It's an official document exactly as though it came from an accredited high school. Exactly. Okay. And depending on the university, they may have an entrance exam requirement. In the United States, most of them take the ACT or the SAT, which is exactly the same as any high school student. They will sometimes have portfolios that they want from a homeschooled student or letters of recommendation. Or sometimes they want a letter from a teacher who is not a parent, like it could have been a coach or an outside class that they took. It depends on the school what they want. So you need to look at what is my what are some possibilities that my child might be interested in going to you know, schools in the future and just look at their entrance requirements and see what do high homeschoolers need to get into that school?
1: Yeah. My whole philosophy is, Hey, don't close any doors. Like look at the things that your kids are potentially interested in and open all of those doors. Make sure that you've checked off the boxes for those things. Like for example, if you want to go into the military you actually have to have either the GED or a high school diploma, right?
0: Usually, yeah. That's so
1: typical. in general, you would be looking at that and saying, okay, by the end of their high school experience, I want them to take the GED.
0: Yeah, just at the end of their senior year, they're going to take the GED. No big deal. Yeah.
1: And it's equivalent to a diploma, and they can go that route. Now, my kids don't have diplomas, and they have, they're have they already on their like more advanced college years, my two older ones who have gone on. They're... They have their associate's degrees, and they're beyond that now at universities. They still don't have a high school diploma, but no one cares about the high school diploma after you have college degrees. It yeah. doesn't usually go it back doesn't to that. Matter. So I have their transcript, and I will always keep that high school transcript that I wrote, but it's a solid record of what they did in high school. And then now they have the transcripts and diplomas from the other you know, colleges and universities yeah. that they've attended. But you don't want to close any doors. You want to open them for your kids. So just make sure that you're keeping enough records so that you can provide those to anyone. And it's really not hard. My high school transcript that I have no, is a single page for single my kids. It's a single
0: page, and basically it's a list some um, year by year of all the courses that they took with their grade and how many credits it's worth. Mm-hmm. And that, that's it.
1: We actually sell a transcript tool right in our catalog. If you don't feel confident in making a transcript on your own, this is a good route to go. It comes with a component that's the grade book where you can actually record your kids grades as you're going along. But then that transcript sheet is what you use to build just while they're in high school. You don't need it. No, don't use it
0: for earlier ages.
1: This is just what helps you calculate the GPA, helps you record all of the classes. You'll come up with the exact titles for classes depending on what you chose to learn about but then it shows all in that single page what they've completed throughout their high school experience. It's very simple, actually. Yeah.
0: And and it's that particular part of the gradebook only applies to students in American schools because it's calculating a GPA and that's a very unique American kind of metric for graduation. And the transcript is an American version of it. I have no idea what they use in Australia or Great Britain or south africa or other places
1: yeah and there could be different requirements for testing and things like that so wherever you're at you do need to look into the requirements for your area but for the most part homeschooling is now an established acceptable form of education most places are saying oh our homeschooled students actually excel beyond the public schooled students so it's not a downside when they're
0: applying anymore So things to remember for your high schoolers, help them to become more independent. You're transitioning into more and more independence. Also, you have to stay on them. You still have to keep them accountable. You're going to expect more activities outside the home. Keep it under control by reducing, you know, keeping your stress levels under control. But those activities can be put on a transcript. They translate into experience. Your kids will be using more technology. And as a family, you need to decide what's acceptable use of that technology and what's not. And then finally, it is so, so important to keep good records during these high school years. That's probably the biggest transition for you as a parent is keeping those records. Yeah, the records are what travels
1: with them after high school. So trust yourself, trust your ability to create a transcript because it is completely valid. It's no different than when a teacher does it. You are their teacher. You know what they've completed and you're writing that out in the transcript and you can absolutely homeschool in high school. It's a really rewarding part of our homeschool.
0: Have you loved it, Michelle? I absolutely love it. The older my kids get, the more fun it is to teach them. I would not miss out on those high school years for anything.
1: It is so fun to watch all of the things pay off that you've been teaching them over the many, many years. And in high school, you start to
0: get the payoff. Plus, that's the easiest time, I think, I think it's the easiest time. It's the most rewarding. You're having discussions with them. They're working way more independently. They don't need you to hold their hand over things anymore. And you can talk to them like an equal. And it's it's just, it is. It's all that work you put into them is starting to pay off and you're seeing the results.
1: Yeah. Trust yourself and you will love homeschooling throughout high school. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating wherever you listen. Ratings and comments help people find happy family-style homeschooling. Visit
0: us at layersoflearning.com, at Instagram, and on our Facebook group. And make sure to tune in next month for the next podcast. In the meantime, we wish you happiness in your homeschool. Have fun learning!